0: Divine Truth. The name of this presentation is Spirit Influence of Guides and Guardians and it is part of the Spirit Relationships Series. It was presented in East Sussex, England on the 14th of February 2012. This is Session 1. So how are you? It's a bit coolish in here tonight. We, we only arrived uh, like just over half an hour ago, so the heaters have only been on for that amount of time. Now it's been uh, two weeks or so, just a bit over. Two weeks? or well, maybe three weeks, close to three weeks, hasn't it, since, we, since I got together with many of you last time? And uh, do you remember the subject matter that I discussed with you last time? You remember, it was uh, we talked about the basics of spirituality being love, truth, and humility. Do you remember that? Yes? Now, anything, uh, most spirituality that's on the planet today um, does not really have a lot of focus on those three things. They have a, with most of the New Age spirituality, for example, it has a heavy influence on what I would call metaphysics or the operation of the spirit body, the spiritual body, but not very much focus on love, truth and humility. In fact, most people on the planet, I feel, don't really understand love and the level of truth and the level of humility that you need if you wish to connect to God. And I feel that's one of the main problems, is that the level of these particular qualities that are needed inside of ourselves is quite high uh, before we can really connect to God properly. And this is one reason why many people feel they're connecting to God, but unfortunately they are actually connecting with spirits in the spirit world who think they're God, rather than connecting with God herself. And... This is a major problem, I feel, and in fact in our last group that we had, as I mentioned to the group, around 45% of the people in the audience were completely overcloaked by spirits most of their lives, uh, thinking that they had connections with God or thinking they had connections with, that they had these metaphysical experiences that indicated their connection with God, but actually being connected with spirits. And most of the others in the audience, including many of you who were present, um, were at times heavily influenced by spirits. And so what I wanted to do today is speak about these qualities, but more in reference to the connection with spirits that goes on for most people. And what, what actually happens that we think is God but a lot of the times is not anything to do with God. In fact, is quite often, uh, quite op- quite the opposite. In fact, uh, often to do with spirits, who actually can be quite manipulative and controlling with us at times, and also can often be in a dark condition, even though we think that we're receiving nice emotions from them. So, what I would like to talk to you about today, and I've lost my razor, uh, which I think. Is in the backpack bag, if I can, just. and what I so what I wanted to talk with you today mostly about was spirit influence and um, what I would call spirit overclocking. Now, here in England, historically, there has been a very, very strong connection with spirits, and back in, even all the way through the Dark Ages here in England, there was a very strong connection with spirits, Who and oftentimes these people who would connect to spirits were called witches, or they'd be involved in Wiccan, and those kind of things, and Um, It was a generally acceptable thing in society until Christianity started to really put a firm hold uh, on what is allowable when it comes to connecting with spirits. And up until that point in time, uh, people here in England quite easily connected with spirits. Many, Many people quite easily connected with spirits, most of the society. And for that reason, there was a very... Low, in many societies, uh, this is not the case, but in the English society, there is a quite a strong openness to spirit influence and also spirit overcloaking, and spirit communication generally. Now, that o- openness has been retained even through modern society. So many people here in England are still quite open to getting a lot of spirit influence as a result of this openness emotionally. Now, in some other societies which have been suppressed uh, for centuries along the lines of you know the idea that spirit communication is always bad and so forth, those kind of societies have far more suppression of, uh, of interactions with spirits. And as a result of that, often uh, spirit inter- interaction is viewed or classified as evil or bad, demonic. And because it's given those labels... The problem is for many of those societies is they try to disconnect from, from spiritual influence at all. And then with the onset of modern science, there is also a disconnection occurring through modern science in the general population to, to mistrust any spiritual-based experiences. And that happened particularly all the way through, uh, a, a lot of the way through the second half of the 20th century, where there was this disconnection occurring. But but even though all of those pressures were upon uh, the people generally on the planet and also upon those of you in England, um, the reality is there is still an openness here that is more open than many other countries towards spirit communication. Now the problem for many people is that here in England, I feel, is that many people do not realise that they are actually communicating with spirits when they are. And, and if I can give for you some ideas about how that actually occurs, about what's actually going on, and then maybe if you wish you can ask about your own personal situation and your own uh, situation with different experiences you've had, and we can talk about the truth of those particular experiences, rather than... And, and it probably will not be what you believe the truth to be currently. And this is where uh, I feel if we go back to the basic principles, which are love... Uh, truth and humility many times when it comes to spirit interactions we are very resistive to receiving truth and there is uh, some very powerful reasons why one very powerful reason why is because the spirit who is with you often does not wish you to know the truth because while you don't know the truth they have a stronger bond with you they and, and we'll illustrate how that occurs in a minute. Also, um, often a lot of people are not willing to feel their own emotions. So if, uh, if, we, if we view humility as the desire to feel and experience every single emotion without projecting it or dumping it on other people inside of ourselves, in other words, we desire to feel everything without having engagement in any, any kind of um, addictions in our lives then if we do that, no spirit can come along and influence at any time. But for most of us, we have some heavy addictions in our lives. And most of our addictions are not like smoking or drinking or those kind of substance abuse type addictions, but rather most of our addictions are emotional in nature. In other words, we have a heavy desire to feel certain things from other people. And only when we feel those things from other people do we feel happy? And if we don't feel those things from other people, we often feel angry, in particular angry, or sometimes hurt or sad. And so what I'd like to do is, with this discussion, if we can, if we can be open enough to hear some potential different information about, about what might be happening in our lives, but also open enough to see the cause of it as well, which is all about our lack of humility... It's all about our lack of desire to feel our own emotions. So let's discuss what happens with regard to humility when it comes to spirit influence. Let's say this is us. That's you. Now, when you have a feeling inside of you of hurt or sadness, let's call it grief, that you do not wish to feel because you are afraid of feeling it, so on top of the grief is some fear. What happens is you then create a whole set, series of actions which are all called which I would call addictions. In other words, let's say I do not want to feel the grief that my mother did not love me. So let's say I have a feeling inside of me that my mother did not love me. And I did not wish to feel the grief of that because it just feels too bad to feel. That's my feeling. It's just too bad to feel. So I'm afraid to feel it because it feels too bad to feel it or I may be afraid to feel it because when I was a child I started to feel it and I got belted for feeling it. In other words, I got belted for crying all the time uh, when I was around my mother and, uh, and so now I've got some fear of violence associated with the grief. So that causes me then... To not wish to feel the grief. If that's the case, then I'll go into this addiction of wanting love from women. Does that make sense? Because I can't feel the grief that I was never loved by women. And, so, and I'm afraid of feeling that grief for whatever reasons occurred in my life. So now I'll want love from women. So that emotion of wanting love from women is coming out of me. Now, for many, there is also some additional feelings that come out of us, and that is we realise that in the past, in our interactions with women, the way we got love from women might have been by doing what they want. So what we do, whenever we're around a woman, we automatically start doing what she wants. And then we get the approval from the woman, and that feels like love. It's not really love, though, is it? Because if if we're loved, truly... Then we don 't have to do what somebody wants, and we'll still be loved right? so it 's not real love, but it 's what we believe as love because we aren't afraid to face the grief that's inside of us about a lack of love. Does that make sense now these addictions in particular, which are emotional so they are emotional in nature, come out of us all the time, no matter with who, who we interact with what we 're doing this Anything that we're not letting go of or grieving and releasing is going to end up being carried around with us as a, as a desire for other people to satisfy. In psychological circles they call that codependency right? where you have something inside of you that you need and the other person fulfills this need and then you, they have something inside them that they need and you fulfill their need and now there's a bond that both of you have. Together, A strong bond, if, if the needs are very high and the fulfilment of those needs are very high, then it's going to be a very strong bond. If the needs are quite low and the fulfilment of the need is quite low, then it's going to be a very weak bond, but a bond no- nonetheless. And the only time that we're not going to have a bond is, is when none of our addictions are getting met. And when none of our addictions get met, what we feel is usually... An emotion. So whenever our addictions don't get met, the emotion that we normally feel, so i put this as not met, the emotion we normally feel is anger. And this is why some people, you can just look at them and feel angry. Because they're, they're, out of their soul, there is no satisfaction of any of your addictions it? Does it make sense to everyone? And so just even looking at them makes you angry. Now, or when you look at the person, they may remind you of things in your childhood that you are shut down to the grief about. And so just looking at them causes the reminder to occur that you don't want to feel, and now the addiction is I either don't want to see that person because they remind me of these things I don't want to feel, or they... Um, yeah, so or, or they um, are, are the kind of person that just does the thing that we um, don't want to feel all the time and so we feel upset with them or we feel angry with them. Every single time an addiction is not met, the result will be anger. So if you find yourself getting angry at any time, no matter what you're doing, it's always the result of an addiction not being met. And addiction, remember, which covers over your fear. And the fear, of course, covers over the grief that you need to release inside of yourself. Now, how does all of this affect our relationship with spirits? Well, for the majority of people, we have these injuries that are inside of our soul and that surround us constantly, that are coming out of us towards the rest of the world. Now, the rest of the world includes spirits. Uh, There are multiple dimensions, Uh, mathematics has proven 13 of them at this point, and all of those dimensions are populated by people who used to live on the Earth at some point in time, and all of our emotions, unresolved or resolved, get projected to not only the people we see, to to the physical universe, but to the dimensional universes that are all available as well. In other words, all the spirits who used to be living on Earth at some point. Now, if any one of those spirits has a corresponding or sympathetic addiction to yourself, then the spirit will automatically be attracted to you. They will automatically enter the barter system with you. They will feel drawn to do it, just like a person on Earth feels drawn to do it. And in fact, for a spirit, it's a lot easier to be with you than a person on Earth. Because a spirit can be with you 24 by 7, or, or at least all of your awake time, while you're on earth. And so while you're awake, the entire time you're on earth, any unresolved grief, which is covered over by any fear, which means that you now have a set of addictions, any addiction will create an attraction to a corresponding codependency in any person around you, whether that person is a physical person who lives on the earth, or whether it's a person who has passed, a spirit, who has passed over into the spirit world. Does that make sense, everyone? Yeah? So these addictions are just coming out of us. And there's this desire for the satisfaction of them. We just desire them to be satisfied at all times, generally. While we do not feel the grief, the addiction is going to be our primary driving force in our life, getting our addictions met. And we'll only feel happy, or what we view as relatively happy, while they're being met. And the instant they don't get met in some way, we'll be generally instantly angry or hurt angry, where we feel hurt or upset with the person, but it's really an anger-based hurt. And this is the issue we face when we're interacting with spirits. Every single spirit who is with us, or what you would classify or what you have heard of in New Age circles, as earth bound spirits, every single spirit who is earthbound like this has an addiction they're still trying to meet and many of their addictions that they're still trying to meet, some of their addictions are physical in nature. In other words, some of them have a desire to drink still, or some of them have a desire for drugs still, or so forth. But the majority of their addictions are related to the emotions that they feel, that they, that they want satisfied still, that they're not getting satisfied, just like they didn't have them satisfied when they are on Earth. Now, if that's what happens then this addiction that I have is going out to everyone and the most highly likely person who is going to satisfy the addiction is not going to be necessarily a person on the earth. Does that make sense? It's going to probably be a person who's in the spirit world, who's earthbound, who's surrounding the earth. Now if that's the case, then we've really got to know, firstly, what our addictions are And secondly, we've got to ask the question of what spirits are around us and what influence do they have on my life? What kind of influence do they have on my day-to-day choices, my day-to-day decisions and so forth? Now some people also, we have many addictions generally. Some people have an addiction for glory or addiction for attention, addiction for approval, addiction for acceptance addictions that all of these things were things that weren't met when we were little weren't weren't looked after when we were little and so we grow up carrying the grief of that that we don't want to feel and we finish up projecting out to the world this is what i want you to give me does that make sense so as as we get them given as we these things get given to us we then feel satisfaction we get a feeling of joy so the other feeling when we get an addiction met, um, if we point it down in this direction, is a feeling of joy. All right? when it, and that happens when the addiction gets met. So when we meet the addiction, we get a feeling of joy. And when we don't meet the addiction or somebody around us doesn't meet the addiction, we have a feeling of anger. We usually have one of those two types of responses either joy or anger, whether our addiction is either met or not met. Now, can you see that because spirits have the ability to be with us all of our waking life, if we don't recognise our addictions, there's a high likelihood that they'll be trying to give us the feeling of joy all the time through their interaction with us permanently. And until either they release the addiction, the codependency, or we release the codependency of the, of the desire, the sympathetic desire that we have to satisfy each other's addictions, until one of us does that, that spirit could spend all of its life, all of our life with us, influencing us in every single decision we make. Now, the reason why I'm saying this to you is that that is what's happening for many people and for many of you personally as well. And you'll be surprised, in fact, how much these things are happening. In fact, one of the biggest problems that I see on the earth at present is this. Most people on earth have no idea how much they're being influenced by spirits. No idea at all. They are almost completely oblivious to it. And in fact, for many, they know they're being influenced and they like it. Because the addiction is getting met. And so for many people that I've met in our travels, we've talked to them about, Oh, did you realise you've got this spirit or that spirit with you? Yeah, I know, they say. And I say to them, well, don't you see that as a problem? No, not at all. It's really good though with me. You know, they give me this and when I'm in this situation, they help me out there. And when I feel afraid, they help me not feel afraid. Or when I feel like I need some help with different things, they tell me what to do. There's some people that I've met that actually every single morning, they wake up in the morning and they say to their spirit friends, whatever you want me to do today, I'll do. But they call it God. They say to God, whatever you want me to do today, I'll do. Right? But it's really spirits who then give them messages of what they want them to do today. Right? So, and uh, Mary, you wanted to ask, if, if you just remember that.
1: So I wanted to ask um, two things, babe. Yep. Why wouldn't God... Why wouldn't God comply with our desire to be told what to do in a day?
0: Because our desire to be told what to do is an addiction. God gave us the the free will that we can actually do whatever we wish and then if we want to be told what to do, then basically what we're doing is we're, we're in an addiction. We're, there's, a, there's a reason why we want to be told what to do and usually that reason has a lot to do with I don't want to take responsibility for anything i choose to do today so you tell me what to do and then i don't have i get away with having to take responsibility and another reason could be that um, i i'm i'm feeling very confused in my life and i need and i feel terrible about the confusion i don't want to feel the confusion and so i get a spirit to tell me what to do and then i don't feel confused anymore so it gets me over another emotion
1: so many times what we feel are our spiritual practices and good things in our life are actually feeding addictions and keeping us away from God?
0: Yes, and that's the point. The problem with this spirit influence and spirit overcloaking uh, is that it actually is taking away our free will because now spirits are actually guiding a lot of our life rather than ourselves guiding our life. Therefore, it's not loving to ourselves, it's not loving in terms of what we do with our life and then in addition it's just meeting addictions that we're trying to avoid and remember every time we avoid our grief we're not being humble and remember that humility was a primary emotion we need to connect to God so all of these things are linked with each other
2: I don't know exactly how you um, what is spirit I mean I I need to, to understand you more but I would ask you: um, Do you consider, do you consider it possible to be good spirits? I mean, spirits who chose to be spirits and who are helping us towards God. All
0: right, but let's define the spirits who will be yeah. yep, who'll be who'll be influencing us. So let's come. We'll come back to this, but let's define the kind of spirits that will be influencing us. A few weeks ago, I gave a talk in uh, what was it. A few, days ago. a few days ago. Sorry. Yeah, we've been. We were just in uh, Athens in Greece and we gave a talk to a group of people there and we talked about two types of spirits who are good spirits who can assist you with your life. One of them, uh, you would have heard the term, is a guardian. Now, a guardian spirit is a spirit who's always in a higher condition of love than you are who is assigned to you by God in order to protect your life as much as possible within the framework of God's laws. And that spirit is generally assigned to you at the time of your conception. Now, because this spirit is in a spirit of love, in a good condition of love, he does not overcome your free will, but he does drop thoughts, or, and it might be a she, by the way, so it's a man or a woman. By the way, all spirits... So all spirits are people who lived on earth. Who have lived on earth. This is something also that I find on earth and um, that a lot of people don't understand. That There's sort of a, an assumption that if they're speaking with a spirit, that that spirit has automatically, just because it's now past, it's automatically gained the, uh, the information of the universe, the knowledge of the universe. And the only information it's actually gained since it's past is often that it's passed. Aside from that, it's the same person, exactly the same person that they were when they were on Earth, with a few other abilities, and that is they can go where they desire to go in the dimension that they're allowed to through their soul condition. But, but all spirits are people who have lived on earth. So all the spirits I'm speaking about are all people who lived here before. Now, some of them lived here for a very short time. So in other words, they were miscarriages or abortions on earth. And so they didn't even have a, a life as a baby or a child. They died pre-birth. Pre, uh, but they are still spirits and uh, people who were conceived on earth still. And all spirits are people who have lived on earth. Now that is a basic truth that I feel many people in the New Age movement uh, forget. And when they forget that, they can make all sorts of assumptions about the spirits that they're speaking with uh, that are often very false. And the reason why the spirits go along with the assumptions is because the spirits like the assumptions themselves. The spirits enjoy the lie uh, just as much as the person on earth does. So that's one basic thing to remember. Now, some of these spirits who have lived... On earth, have developed in love, truth, and humility. Remember that love, truth, and humility are the core qualities which will enable your long term spiritual development, even after you pass. Now, some of the spirits are developed in love, truth, and humility. One of them is your guardian. Your guardian being the person who's been assigned to you to protect you throughout the course of your life. It usually is the same spirit uh, who's assigned to you for your entire life. Uh, sometimes it changes, but it's rare. It's usually the same spirit. Oftentimes it's a person who um, has had a history with you genetically sometimes. So it can be like a great-grandmother or a great father or a grandfather, someone who has a personal interest in you, but who has developed in love, truth and humility more than you currently are because they are able then to guide you within the framework of of God's laws. The next spirit uh, that has a part in your life, so remember this is from conception, the next spirit that has a part in your life is your guide. And you can have multiple spirits who guide you. Now, your guides are very dependent on two factors. Their personality, generally... Is very much similar to your own, or is uh, very, they enjoy your personality quite significantly. Secondly, they are assi- assigned by God to guide you spiritually with regard to your growth in love, truth, and humility. That's their primary purpose. They are always more highly developed than yourself in love, truth, and humility. But the third factor is they actually also have common interests or desires that you have and this is why your guides may change throughout your life. Your guide will change when your desires and interests change. So for example let's say you were so interested in religion and you decided that the area of religion that you were very interested in was Christianity then your guide that would be assigned to you, would have an interest in the same type of religion, right? And, and potentially a history in it as well on earth. And because he's developed more or she has developed more in love, truth and humility, she can assist you or he can assist you to develop in the different form of interest that you currently have. So that's your guide. So is there any questions about those two spirits? Both of them are more highly developed in love than you are, and in fact, many people, when they feel what, when they say they feel God, they're not actually feeling God. They're actually feeling they're a guardian of their God. Right?
3: Surely there could be instances in your incarnation that propel you in love, truth, and humility to such an extent that you exceed your guardian, which is assigned to you at birth, and all your guides.
0: And you generally don't exceed your guardian because his primary or she's, her primary role is to try to protect your physical life. So it's, it's rare for a person to not have that person with them. And even when the person on earth develops fully on earth um, and becomes at one with God, the guardian may still be around them anyway more as a friend uh, because they've been with them all their life anyway and they enjoy, enjoy their company. With your guide, what you said is especially true. If you can, on earth, exceed the development of your guide, um, because at times it's easier sometimes to progress on earth in love, truth and humility under certain circumstances. And with those certain circumstances, the guides don't have those particular circumstances. And so what will happen is the guide will swap. In other words, there will be a person who's even more developed in love than your guide that will be then cha- change over the role of guiding you to help you further. So that's the general case with those particular spirits. Yeah, yeah
4: if, um, if God has no fear, um, why does she assign us a guardian to keep us safe if um, we're always safe I guess in God's
0: eyes? Well, God certainly has no fear, but, uh, but we offers, often do. And the problem uh, with our fear is that it's the primary thing that prevents us from connecting to God. Now, because we're now no longer connecting to God because of our fear, because we have all of these false beliefs and false expectations that appear real to us, that are not really real from God's perspective, God has put into place these people who have lived on earth, who have been through very, very similar experiences to ourselves, to help us get over our fears... And remember, our fears, it's the suppression of our fears that creates our addictions. So they're actually there to also assist us to get over our addictions. Right? And, and in fact, it's, uh, a lot of our times we're, what we're afraid of is, uh, is really about our true feelings, which is our grief, and they will help us get into our grief. They'll help us to actually release our grief so that we're no longer afraid of anything anymore. And, and so these guys, um, role is to basically help us come to God, because we, as a, on the planet in particular, we are so far removed from God, that we do need assistance from people who have progressed beyond our progression. Does that make sense, Barry? Yeah, I
4: think. Are, are, the, are the guardians specifically um, assigned, or is it the desire yeah. of the spirit to want to become a guardian? It's a combination of both
0: factors. And obviously God wouldn't assign somebody who doesn't want to do with the job. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, um, so the first thing to realize with regard to God is that God's not going to assign you a guardian who basically says, I, I hate Perry, I don't want to help him at all. You know, like that, that's definitely not going to be the case. It has to be a person who is really passionately interested in your life. It has to be somebody who's really keen to be your guardian. And the same applies to your guides. you know, God's not going to assign somebody who goes, yeah, Perry's really interested in gardening, right, and, and these guys might help you to bring gardening into this love, truth and hum- humble place, but, but I don't like Perry very much, but I'll help him because it's about gardening. It's, it's not like that either. The guide has to be passionately interested in the, in the person, and in fact, the way God assigns the guys is that they are always the ones who are most passionately interested in the person, that that is present in the spirit world. Yeah. We go back to over there and then Thank down. Go, yeah,
5: yeah. Um, just asking, earlier you turned around and said we wake up in the morning some of us and we go hey guys can you give us a hand? Um, if we've got a guardian and or a guide um, do we specifically ask them or and if we don't know who they are how can you communicate and how do we know the difference?
0: They're all good questions, which I hope to answer through this discussion. All right, <laughs> okay. So, okay. Um, yes, so very good questions about how do we know the difference, who are we actually connecting with, and this is what I want to discuss with you mostly, because, because we need to know who we're connecting with. We need to know the difference between God, our guide, our guardian, and other spirits, and to be frank with you, mostly it's other spirits that are influencing us and uh, through our addictions and we need to know the difference between those particular spirits and these two roles that different spirits have. So you could say these two roles, those two roles are benevolent spirits interested specifically in assisting you, firstly with regard to your direct personal welfare and safety and secondly with regard to helping you learn the truth about your life and to learn more about love truth and humility. Does that make sense? You could say that that's their role. Um, Mary, you had a question you wanted to ask?
1: Uh, It was just following on from Perry's point about guardians and that if God feels we're completely safe all of the time why do we need a guardian? Mm -hmm. And my question was about uh, well uh, the the loving provision of guardianship and the the value of our life here on Earth. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, firstly, God's laws are all loving, and God did create an entirely loving universe in which we can live. However, God also gave us the gift of free will as mankind and a person on Earth. We're given the gift of free will. The gift of free will means that people can try to and they do attempt to break God's laws does that make sense free will means you're allowed to attempt to break God's laws if you have free will you can do anything you wish even if it's unloving you're allowed to do that now the problem with that is that many people on earth in particular you know in the spirit world it's a bit different in different locations but on earth many people then use their free will in direct disharmony with love. Would agree with that? So on earth we get this effect that now the earth becomes a more dangerous location, right? not because of God's choice, but rather because of man's own creation. A person who is... Who is, who is exercising their free will out of harmony with love automatically makes your life more difficult. And it depends on how badly they want to exercise their will out of harmony with love. If they want to murder you, then they're going to make your life quite difficult. But if they're going to torture you, that's going to probably be worse. If they're going to hold you in prison for 25 years, then that's going to be pretty bad. And there's all sorts of things that people out of harmony with God's laws can choose to do. And that turns the earth into a more dangerous location than what God originally intended that it would be. For that reason, God automatically created, knowing that that would occur, God created this ability for us to receive assistance from these two groups of spirits so that we could deal with and remain harmonious with humility, love and truth while we're living life on the earth that make sense? It
3: seems God has to be a bit of a joker then, doesn't it? Knowing that those laws will be broken and knowing that the punishment for the people breaking the laws is greater for the person they inflict the uh, the murder, the torture
0: or the captivity on. I don't agree with that statement but continue. Okay. Yeah.
3: Well, isn't it that, well, so his point is that you have to come to loving him of your own choice, but he sets parameters that you have no choice but to love him, and so...
0: I don't agree with that statement either. Okay, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> so let's look at first. God did not create a law that says you have to love God. To love so in other words, God gives you the free will to love God if you choose to do so. But you get turmoil and... No, no. You, there are people in the spirit world, in the sixth dimension of the spirit world, who do not love God and have a life that is completely peaceful and without turmoil at all. Oh, wow, and, I didn't know that. And in fact, on earth, we have the capacity to live on earth completely without God, but still have a life of peace. We, are, we do have that capacity.
3: But you have to have a truth, love, and humility to to find peace.
0: Well, well, no, you really primarily need the quality of love, don't you? Like, so if everyone on well, earth—that's that's the love of God. Well, even if it wasn't, let's separate the two loves. Let's. Can you do re- that? Uh, sorry. Can you do that? Yes, you can, because one love comes from within you towards another person. But everything is God, so whatever you love, you're loving God. Yeah, I don't agree that everything is God. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So. Yeah, I feel there's quite a few I feel there's quite a few misconceptions in New Age theology that cause us to then make a lot of assumptions that are often very incorrect and therefore don't make any sense. So there's things in the
3: universe that's outside of God, is there?
0: Yes. All of man's outside creations of out of harmony with love are outside of God. Automatically.
3: Oh really? So there's yeah. more creations on the planet that are Well let's look at this God, gift of free God. will
0: for a second. The gift of free will means that you're allowed to create things outside of what God would wish you to create. Does that make sense? Sure. That's free will. The true true gift of free will is that you can choose to do anything you wish, which means you can even choose to deny God. And God will still allow you to survive, and God will still give you the the rain and give you the sunshine and give you food and give you pleasure and, and so forth, even if you choose to do so. So God did not make a law that we have to love God. Does that make sense?
3: But the truth equals truth, love, and humility. And in, in that understanding, you're, you, you fall into a, an awe-inspired state of the being something greater than self, God, and you, and you have such love and respect
0: for God. So in... I agree with that statement but bear in mind that a lot of people on earth are not in the state of truth but, and, they're and they're getting
3: punished and there are a lot of people on earth are suffering because they're not in that state and i believe talks like yours yeah you i don't know. feel they're
0: getting punished
3: oh, i feel that is do you not i no. think a lot of people are suffering because people they're... are suffering
0: but i don't call that punishment. okay sorry okay well, <laughs>
3: god's making people suffer until they acknowledge his existence and love him
0: no suffering is a, is a, is something of mankind's creation there's a, see, Outside of God's This permission. is something that men, people on earth, and we're getting a bit off the subject, Sorry. but people, people on earth, and, and I don't want to stay on, because this is a whole subject in itself, sure. but people on earth believe that suffering is to do with punishment. And this is a, this is this, these are part of the false beliefs that many of us on earth believe, and, but are nothing to do with the truth. The reality is that suffering is the result of us not loving. So as soon as we ch- don't love, that's we will suffer automatically. Not because of being punished, but because the natural result of a lack of love is suffering. Okay, well that's semantics.
3: So you're saying if you don't love God, you'll suffer. So God has keyed it up, so when he started... No, to...
0: no, you didn't hear what I said earlier. I said quite clearly that if you don't love God, there are people in the spirit world who don't love God and who are not suffering. It's if you don't love that you will suffer. Not that you don't love God. Do you see the
3: difference? Uh, Yeah, it might be my understanding, but I don't see how God just being like a a framework word to understand something. But God is creation, and so to love parts of creation is to love yourself.
0: But see, I can't agree with that either. I think God is not creation. Okay god created creation okay creation is a is an attribute or a characteristic of god but not god herself okay god is an entity who created creation so so i would agree that if we love creation we'll be closer to god okay but i do not feel that if we love creation we love god because god is an entity god is a separate entity. entity God, God is love, but love is a characteristic of God or an attribute of God. Love is not God. right? See, this, this is what I feel happens with a lot of New Age and other theology, is that you get involved so much, we get involved so much in we say things like, God is love. Right? And then in saying that, We're then assuming that love is the God, like is the entity God. And I'm saying, no, love is a characteristic of God's nature. It is a part of God's attributes. But God has other attributes, not just love. God also has wisdom, which is a different attribute than love. God also has power, which is another different attribute, right? than love. So God has many attributes literally millions that I've personally come to see of attributes that describe God's nature but God is the entity that has these attributes. So in other words these characteristics or attributes can show us God's character or nature but they are not God themselves. God is an entity with these characteristics and attributes. Now if I can liken that to yourself I could say, I could make the statement you are love. All right? Now if you're a loving person that would be a true statement that you are love. But that doesn't mean that you, that love is the only thing you are. Does that make sense? And this is the same with God. God love Love isn't the only thing God is. God has other attributes and characteristics and qualities. God is the entity... Right? ...that has qualities of love, wisdom, power, and so forth and so forth. And there are literally millions of different characteristics that are a part of God's nature, which describe the entity of God. Okay? And it's the same with you. You are an entity which has different qualities, attributes and characteristics. Does that make sense? Yeah? I don't know if I want to keep asking you questions. Because you, I don't. <laughs> Go on. Well, it's just, okay,
3: so my understanding was that you said you and the Father are one, yes? Were and, you saying that you're one with the Father, but we're not? We, we're, to me, I understood you representing the fact that we are all part of the Father. <laughs> Or we all have it, him in us.
0: No, and this is a mistranslation of what I said in the Bible. Okay. Remember the Bible has been changed and modified over 2,000 years of time. So, so I was talking about the condition that we can exist in with God, which is the condition of that one mint. And that condition is, once I receive God's love to the... To the point that i actually have all of the same ideas about love that god has i am now at one with god in terms of everything that i do i am now in harmony with god at one with god that doesn't mean that i'm god it means that i am at one with god in everything that god desires god desires love i desire love god knows how to use the attributes of love when I'm at one with God, I knew, know how to use it without hurting, harming any single person <coughs> or being. And this condition of at one with God is the condition I was describing. So when I said, I am one with you just as I want my disciples to be with me, I was to- talking about how I wanted the disciples that I had in the first century, I wanted them to experience this same condition the same condition that I was in, of at one with God. And the way I became at-one with God was by developing in those primary three qualities of love, truth and humility. That was the primary way that I developed and became at-one with God. So, so I saw God as a separate entity to myself and I still do see God as a separate entity to myself but... Once you progress in love, truth and humility to the point you become at one with God you now have the same viewpoints on all matters regarding truth and love that you've discovered up to that point as God has. It doesn't mean that there's not more to discover because there is but you at least now are at one with God in the way in which you display love. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. lovely. Thank yeah. you. And, and the beauty of being at this condition is that, is that you now at this point no longer need your guardian or your guide <laughs> if I can get back to that subject you no longer need your guardian and your guide because, because if your guardian and your guides are in that same condition then you're basically mates <laughs> you, you know, they, they are basically of the same development or similar development to yourself and therefore they can't really guide you anymore because you're already in the same condition they are and this is where, and it doesn't mean that all guardians and guides are at one with God, because some of them are, are lower in condition to that, but they are all higher in, of condition, higher than, than ourselves in love, truth and humility. Does everyone understand the onement condition with God? And also, what, so what I'm teaching is that God is an entity, and God has attributes and characteristics, and in fact, all of the universe, the universe itself, is... An attribute or characteristic of God—it's something that God created, that it's part of God's nature, but it's not the entity God. The entity of God is greater than that.
6: Um, Just just for clarification, are you saying that you are Jesus, or are you saying that you are the Christ being?
0: I I am the Jesus who lived in the first century, and who has lived for two thousand years since then. Uh, And I am that person not the, what you call the Christ entity. What I refer to as Christ or Christed was becoming into this condition of at with God. Now every single being, every single person on earth and who lives in the spirit world, no matter where they are, even if they're in the dark areas of the spirit world, all have the future potential of becoming at-one with God and so therefore the future potential of being Christed, of becoming like Christ. Price. The only difference is I was the first one to come to that condition. That's the only difference. Just like um, just like somebody is the first person to discover flight or, some, or the first person to discover any other thing that happens on our planet, well, I was the first person to discover this particular condition. But I'm not the only person in that, con- that can be in that condition or that will ever be in that condition because literally every single one of us present here has the ability to be in that condition, so it's not something that's exclusive. It's sort of like, um, and this is why I called it our, the brother. My brothers and sisters all had, which all of you are, all have the same ability to be in the same condition that I was living in in the first century on Earth. Exactly the same, and in fact, even in a better condition, because I, I only reached the tenth dimension in the first century when I was on Earth, and you have the ability to reach higher condition than that while you're on Earth, if you wish to. So you could even be in better condition than I was in the first century on Earth. Does that make sense? Um, but, but in terms of the answer as to who I am, I am that person. I, I have a memory of that life, the 2,000 years of this life, and most people find it difficult to believe that, but I have lived 2,000 years and I have a memory of this 2,000 years of time. It's one life for me. Not, not multiple lives or multiple reincarnations or anything like that. It's one life that I remember and can relate to you different experiences of but that's a whole different subject if you want to go down that subject I would like to stay on this subject if we can today because I sort of see it as a problem for for many many here
6: When you speak about intention and spirit influence and praying to God um, I have this assumption that if I pray to God He will know what my intention is (coughs) even if I'm spirit influenced or even if my Addictions are holding my desires in a certain place.
0: It's a true statement, Judith, but only true if you understand what a prayer is. A prayer is a sincere, pure longing. Maybe I put that on the next line, shall I? Longing directed at God. A sincere, pure longing. Now, if I have addictions I am no longer, in those particular areas of my addictions, I no longer have a sincere, pure longing. And this is the problem with my addictions. My addictions cause my longing to become insincere and impure. And the prayer then becomes my insincere and impure longings. So, for example, in my previous examples that I gave about sadness with regard to mum, if I had a pure longing to fill my grief, which is the causal emotional reason why I have my addictions about wanting women's love and approval, then I have the ability then to long for that grief to come and God will assist me in that process. But, if I have a longing which is please send me some more people to love me who are, like my mo- who, are, who are unlike my mother who didn't love me and now my longing is impure and insincere directed towards God and God does not answer prayers that are impure or insincere. So, so this is a basic principle that we need to understand about God is that God always operates in truth with us. God will not answer things where we are being untruthful with ourselves. A big, uh, one of the big problems on the planet is that we are so untruthful with ourselves. Does that make sense? Yeah? Judith, you wanted to say something about this?
6: Yeah, uh, in terms of the relationship with God, because sometimes the prayer doesn't necessarily have, oh, could, could this happen or that happen? It's more about even a prayer of desire to be connected to God. Surely that can be influenced if you're saying then you're only accessing so
0: Well, let me give you an illustration of that longing.
4: Dimension. We could have a
0: longing to be connected to God, and we think we have a longing, but the only reason why we have the longing is because we want God to give us something. Now, that would then become an impure longing. <coughs> do, do you see the difference? Like, so so... <coughs> The problem that we face, all of us face, is that when we pray, we have to make sure that we are sincere and pure. Our motivation and intention is pure when we pray. Motivations and intentions that are pure reach God. Motivations and intentions that are not pure don't go anywhere outside of our addictions and do not reach God. But they reach a lot of other people, mostly spirits who are surrounding us. And that's the problem that we face. Unless we are sincere and pure about things with our longing, then we are not really praying to God. We are now wanting people around us or spirits around us to support our addictions. Does that make sense? And it's very important to see and make that distinction. The closer you get to God, the more sincere you become. That is definitely a truth. And when you become at one with God, you are always sincere from that moment on. right? But until that moment on, we have to remove from within ourselves, because we have the free will to have, keep within ourselves the things we want, we have to remove from within ourselves, if we want to be close to God, the impurity and insincerity that we have about a lot of different issues. Right? Now, you can see impurity and insincerity a lot on the earth where people have a smile on their face while at the same time have a lot of very terrible feelings coming towards the same person many of you might have even experienced that in your childhood where you saw your mother with a, or father with a smile on his face while he was talking to somebody and then he walks out the door or walks away from the person and says what a little shit that person was or something you know swears about the person so so just because a person has a smile we, we we can see that it doesn't mean they're sincere right? with God everything must be sincere every single thing, every single time we connect with God it will only be a connection when it's sincere does, does that make sense? Yeah. and this is I feel a big problem on the planet because we're so used to being insincere we, we, we are taught to be insincere from very young ages you know like how, how many of you got in trouble for saying something to the next door neighbour's parents that you heard mum and dad say <laughs> and then you got in trouble when you got home because of that thing that you said? Uh, many of you very, from a very young age have been taught to be insincere with regard and, and this happens to all of us generally And the reason, and that insincerity we then think we can be with God. We cannot. You cannot be insincere with God. You need to be sincere with God. If you're insincere with God, nothing is going to change. If you're sincere with God, everything can change. That's the difference. And we need to de- generate sincerity and pure motivation within ourselves.
6: And it's God, and the love, and the people. And are good. Now help the people, I the what God tells you about Jesus, the God, the Mary, that the word God is connected The people, to Mother Earth, and to help people do not stop. And because of the thing goes along, think, um, people and the help, help, help together, that you be worried. Purple is microphone. This is Earth this is crystal allowed to go about God I love and the people you know, help you help people and you know, something I think I think yeah, this is inside inside the God I love by Jesus I, think.
0: I didn't understand everything you said yeah <laughs> maybe mum can explain uh, some
6: I think he said that Jesus and Mary were helping um, people to connect to God. Yeah. And that
0: means to feel God's love inside us. Yes, yeah. that is dead right. Yeah. And and one of the main ways that, I, that we taught how to connect to, to God is through sincere, like prayer, understanding what prayer was. And, and that's a very important part of connecting with God. So Judith, did I answer your question or, or your statement? Fine? Okay. <laughs> you, yeah. Perry? Yeah. We'll um...
4: Yeah. In relation to prayer, yeah. I've been focused on it quite a bit um, this last month or so, more intensely. And I often wonder if I'm being sincere or if I'm in addiction, because if addiction's so strong and, and spirits can influence me, how do I know if I'm praying out of addiction or being sincere is what I find.
0: Well, a good way to test whether your prayer is an addiction is when your prayer does not get answered. What do you feel? If you feel angry or upset with God, then your original prayer was an addiction. Does everyone get that? Remember before I was saying how addictions, when when we're in our addictions, when we don't get them, we get angry. And this applies also with God. Many of us try to enter an addictive relationship with God. In other words, we try to get God to tell us what to do. And then we we don't hear anything from God. We get annoyed with God. And and of course we won't hear anything from God, because God is not going to tell you what to do, by the way. Because God gave you free will. It 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 wouldn't make any sense for God to give you free will and then tell you what to do. Right? So God will not tell you what to do. So when you have a prayer for God to tell you what to do, it's an addiction. And and when it doesn't happen the way you want it you get angry, that tells you that it was part of that addiction the anger is a good sign of our addictions so when the things we pray for do not come how do we respond? now for the majority of us when we start praying we respond with anger we get upset with God what, what's happening? God's not listening to me what's wrong with God? as if something's wrong with God nothing's wrong with god something's wrong with us and the basic problem is that we're not in prayer with god because we're not in a sincere longing for god but instead we are in some kind of addictive relationship or trying to have one with god
5: i was just wondering um when we're praying to receive god's love can that be not pure Um, because you were saying if you're asking for something
0: Well, when we're praying to receive God's love, remember prayer has to be sincere and pure. So we need to look at our motivations, our motives, for why we're wanting God's love. Now, one of the reasons why we often pray for God's love is because we want some other thing from God. Right, when we're praying for God's love so in, other, so in other words our motivations are not always as pure as we'd like to believe they are right? now God can only respond to pure motivations so I can be longing to receive God's love while at the same time having a feeling that I want God to help me avoid something in my life Right. now in that case my motivation is insincere and therefore, the prayer cannot be answered by God. Right? And so it's very important to understand this and, and, and to question your own motivations or your own motives. Very important to do that. Yeah?
5: yeah, I'm wondering if you have finished that list with Guardian and Guides.
0: No, I haven't yet. But we'll get to them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's important to understand this because yeah. prayer is an essential part of understanding what's going on with our spirit friends <coughs> as well. So it's very important to understand how we can determine the difference between some of these, and there will be a link up oh. of that information, Mary, and then across we'll the.
1: Uh, I was just going to um, say, so from what you're saying, that if our prayers are not answered, we can safely assume that there's impurity in our desire.
0: Yes. The complication, but obviously, becomes. if our prayers becomes... for our addictions to be answered are being answered. Yes. Then, then we can safely assume it's, it's something to do with spirits. Yes,
1: and I see where you. Have... You see.
0: So if I have a prayer that a certain addiction get met, and it does get met, then it's certainly not getting met from God. So it's getting met from an, a, a different source, another source of some kind. Yep.
7: Um, two things. One, I just because i have seen some stuff of, of yours on the yep. YouTube last year, but I haven't got quite your conception of God entirely, yep. and God's a consciousness of the infinite number of beings that exist yes. you know, what is that because we're talking is that it's very easy to have a sort of direct yes yeah I just like you to talk more about a little bit about that, and the other question is when. It, you're talking about prayer and thy will be done as one of the central prayers that came down from... What is, how does that relate to free will? Well, in, in the prayer,
0: thy will be done, I never stated myself. Okay. Um, and, and I actually disagree with completely because God doesn't want God's will to be done. He, God created you to have your will, to, for you to embrace your will. That's why the gift of free will was given to you. So the whole statement, thy will be done, Was more made collectively than individually, as well. As far as I understand, I never made the statement, but the people who made the statement after I lived on Earth, uh, who who then incorporated it into the Bible, um, their belief of it was that they wanted to. They knew through my teachings on Earth at the time that God, through these teachings, had created uh, dimensional existences in the spirit world, which I called the celestial heavens. And I refer to that as the kingdom of God, God's kingdom. And my purpose in the first century was to firstly help people reach the condition, particularly in the spirit world, of getting into that kingdom, if you like, that place or those dimensions in which God's love is the primary motivating factor of of everything. Now, after I passed, um, there there was this concept that people had that... um, that somehow they had to incorporate this whole concept that we had to accept God's will rather than embracing our own will. And as a result of that, they firstly incorporated into saying, right, we want to see this kingdom in the heavens on earth. And so that's why they said, Thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Does that make sense? And so their, their desire, they were talking more about a bigger picture issue, not just not an individual will. Um, and, and they were exercising their prayer for their own will, for God's kingdom to come onto earth, but, but not forcing everybody else to do the same thing. That, that was their original intention, as I understand it. However, since then, it's sort of been modified a bit where people started to give up will, give up their free will, And so they started coming up with this concept that God has a will for me and that I need to get God to tell me what that will is. And that concept in itself is flawed if you consider the process of free will, the gift of free will that God has given. So um, I feel what's happened over time is that because people want to abdicate their own will, they want to abdicate responsibility for their own lives generally, they want to abdicate responsibility for their own uh, creations, the, you know, what they create in their life. And in particular, they wish to abdicate responsibility for their creation of suffering. What they have done is they've now sort of modified that words, so or we'll start now to believe those words to mean I have to personally abdicate my will and accept God's will for me. And this is a very dangerous concept that, we, that began from spirits in the spirit world who wanted people to abdicate their will so the spirits could overtake their will and do the person on earth do what the spirits wanted them to do. And so there was a high motivation from spirits in the spirit world to actually help people or have people abdicate their own will. And as a result of that, now many people on earth who have these beliefs believe that the best thing to do in your life is to abdicate your own will. And in fact, it's completely the opposite of the intention that God originally had, which is that we embrace our own will in love, humility and truth. That we actually bring our will into harmony with love, humility and truth. And when we do that, we will discover the true nature inside of our own personality that God created our potential to be. So ironically, we'll also discover what God desired for us to become and um, which is i feel very different to god telling us what we should be uh, very different in terms of its concept. so one concept is about us going through this process in life of discovering ourselves and discovering our true nature which is always the fastest way to discover your true nature is always by bringing yourself into more harmony with love truth and humility because you discover more and more about yourself by doing that that was God's intention, but what man does is they go through all sorts of different emotional changes due to different emotional errors that we have based on what happens to us when we're young and so forth. And what we finish up doing is having a concept which is very different than what was intended originally. And uh, the, the people who wrote those words in the Bible, for example, um, originally started out with one concept, but it finished up getting modified and modified to the point where now most Christians in particular believe that the best thing to do is abdicate your will and accept God's will for you. And then they accept even, many of them accept what they call the voice of God, telling them what to do. Now, God does not have a voice like that. And so, if you're hearing a voice telling you what to do, it is definitely not God. And in fact, if you listen to many of the things that happen on earth, but like many of the people who murder, for example, will tell you that they actually had a voice telling them that some of them have interpreted as God's voice, telling them that they should murder a person, and it's obviously not God's voice. It's obviously somebody else. Somebody else telling them what to do. I had a, uh, my friend, the Apostle John, died in this life because he had a friend of his felt he was told by God to murder him, um, and it was just a spirit in a very dark location telling. The man to murder John. So, unfortunately, a lot of these concepts get modified so much that we finish up abdicating our own will. And this is this is something this these two people, the guides and the guardians, will never support you doing. They will never support you abdicating your own will. They won't help you do it. (laughs) Right? Does that make sense at They will not help you abdicate your will. They will not help you. Give up responsibility for your life. They want you to take full responsibility for your life. Totally the opposite.
7: Yeah. Could you just answer oh, sorry. the first question oh, about the, the nature part? of the, the, the oh, nature yes. God's yes. Yes. relationship?
0: Right. Yeah. Um, you understand the, pro- the perspective that God is an entity? Yes.
7: yes. The question is that, is that the entity?
0: The entity uh, that created all other entities, yeah. if you like. Yeah. Um, and inclusive of cre- creation, not only created all other entities, but created all other universes yeah. for which those entities would live in. Yeah, otherwise couldn't be God. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's God the entity. Now, the entity God is so, in my personal experience, is so uh, uniquely powerful that the best way I could liken her to is like a supercomputer on Earth, if if I can give you an an analogy. Now, a supercomputer on Earth has the ability to serve at the speed that every person can handle it to serve hundreds of thousands of people at the same time. This is uh, what man has created. Man has created computers which have the ability to actually give information to people faster than the people can actually process that information. Does that make sense? Now, man, therefore, has created a device that has this ability to share information with large numbers of people without there being a limitation on the receiving end. In other words, the people on the receiving end have a difficulty even keeping up with the information they are receiving. Now, if you can replace that as an idea or concept that God has the ability to emotionally, through, through emotions, and primary emotion, of course, is love, to emotionally connect with every single entity that she has created, every single entity, then you, get, you start to get a conception of the power of God, I suppose you could say. But secondly, and perhaps I feel more importantly, God knows every single entity personally and knows their their entire life, as I said in the first century, knows the number of hairs on your head and every single, single other thing about your life God knows already. So because of this connection God has with every single entity that God has created... What is always amazing to me, still, is that God wants to enter a personal interaction with every one of those entities. That, that, to me, is one of the most fascinating and thrilling things that you could possibly conceive. And and I discovered that in the first century, but I am still overwhelmed every time I think about it, how, how much God can actually... Um, have this personal love for every single one of the entities that god herself has created and that was the thing that i found so difficult to even teach in the first century because until you have some kind of concept of how grand god is and then have some kind of concept of how personal god is at the same time you can't sort of grasp the incredible beauty of that possibility of that or that relationship and so what I feel is missing on the planet now is, is that because we, we have begun to assume that the entity, God, is her creations. In other words, we have begun to assume that the universe is God. In other words, we have begun to assume that God does not have personality and that God does not have attributes and characteristics that are personal. We have begun to assume that God's like a power supply, like a... Like a uh, a nuclear power facility if you like that's what we've begun to assume and, and this is a, what I feel is a terrible assumption about God because it reduces God to an energy rather than a personality and it also reduces my relationship with God now to a relationship with, entity, with, with energy which is very impersonal and uh, very difficult for us as humans even to conceive in terms of how can a person with well, its just an energy source love me now if we understand that God is an entity which is the basis of what I've taught for 2000 years we begin to understand that God has this personal even though God is immensely powerful far more powerful than we can ever imagine in fact, in fact uh, I've spent 2000 years looking at God's laws, just the framework I see the laws as a framework of what God has created right? because uh, the laws create further potentials like some of the things that we've yet to create ourselves uh, personally. I mean universally God has already created the potential for us to be able to create before, before we've even done it and this is an amazing fact about God but, but even though all of this beautiful framework exists, God still has a personal interest in me God still has a desire to know me and me to know her. And God doesn't force that knowledge, either direction, on me, but God waits for me to engage the possibility of that relationship. And I just think that's an amazing fact about God. And that's I feel if you, if, if you can only grasp that about God, about God's desire to know you and to give you love and to, for you to experience her love, then most people would automatically start to consider, consider more about God, I feel. But when we start looking at God as an energy, it detunes us from this personal relationship.
7: No, that's, uh, absolutely, I mean, that's why I'm here, because you're one of the few people I've heard speak about that yeah. relationship, which I feel very intuitively. I've had moments of mind blowing.
0: Clarity on Clarity yeah, on yes. Exactly. Yeah. And in fact, uh, most people on the planet at times uh, in their life do have moments of clarity that God is an entity and I- I'm able to have this personal relationship. But the problem is we have so much misinformation on the planet that we then go into doubt because we hear this other information, this other information, and, and then after a while this, uh, the ability for us to have this relationship then gets clouded by the false information that we're presented with whereas the the entity God who loves us deeply but also has this immense power at the same time and, and therefore has the ability to completely interact with every individual entity she has created and in fact she would never have created any entity that she was not able to have a personal relationship with if you think about what love would do so it's a bit like you as a parent, if you really love your children, you would not create more children than you can love. Right? And that's the same with God. God hasn't created more children than she can love. And when you understand that about God, then you can start to have some really strong emotions with God that can bring you this love and this relationship that will you'll will find continually overwhelm you through the rest of your life and existence. which. Is what I find all the time. Like I'm always over the world, by, by God, basically, yeah. yeah.
5: Yes. If God knows every single hair on the head. Yes. She, she, he would understand whether we're being sincere or not. Exactly. Then, and then she would also understand that we have our limitations, and that we're possibly either spiritually intruded or whatever. So, although going back to what Judas said earlier, if there is a sincerity inside, then she, he, will will recognize that and the prayer could then be pure and sincere.
0: Exactly. God automatically understands when we have sincere, (coughs) pure desires because God feels us at every moment. So, the instant we have an emotion, a feeling, in fact, towards God that is pure, God's already responding to it. God, God already knew, in fact, that we would have that at that particular moment and is already responding. And it's amazing when you, when you live in the spirit world, seeing how a lot of things in the spirit world, particularly with regards to guardians and guides, um, happen because of the longing of a person that they've not had yet on the earth. And in the sense that God even knows they're going to have the longing and has the guide or guardian ready for the person, ready for them to have the longing at the right time. That's how incredibly in tune God is with all of her creations. So it is a be- it's a beautiful thing. But can I just address one part of your question? Don't, don't assume that you have limitations. You see, what, what often happens on earth is we... In the first century, I described this quite frequently as well. I'm going to write this word on the board. Most people don't like it. Sin, right? Now, in the first century, I described to people that sin was missing the mark of love. So in other words, every time we are not acting purely in love, we are sinning. We are missing the mark of love. All right? And that was the underlying Greek uh, word that I used that allowed this description, this description of sin. Now, we can sin accidentally or purposefully. We do not agree. In other words, we could miss the mark of love only because we did not know what love was. Or we can know what love was, or know what the loving thing is, and miss the mark of love. So in other words, sin has two possible connotations. One is a purposeful desire to miss the mark of love, to be unloving. And the other one is an unintentional, Impulse that caused us to miss the mark of love. Now, God has created for you these guides and guardians to help you with the unintentional impulses that you have and with the purposeful impulses that you have to miss the mark of love. God's created both this arrangement to help you with both. But can you understand that when we're intentional, when we show intent to be unloving, can you agree with me that that demonstrates a worse condition in terms of the love than if we have a unintentional mistake? Can you see that? So, so if somebody, so in our culture, in our society, there's two, there's a few things you can do that might kill a person. Like you might be driving along in a car. And something goes wrong with your car, you go across the opposite side of the road, have a head-on accident with the uh, car coming and a person dies as a result of your actions of being in that place at that time. Now, in our society, we call that manslaughter. Basically, in Australian society, we call it that. And ours came from England, too. So <laughs> I'm assuming you call that the same here. That is an unintentional thing that occurred on your behalf that created the death of another. Now, can you agree that that is very different than murder? Where you have an intentional desire to harm another person and you decide to act upon that desire. But is
6: it even a sin? Sorry? Is
0: it a sin? Um, Remember my definition of sin. So the question was, is it a sin? My definition of sin was any time you missed the mark of love. Whether it's unintentional or intentional. However, what I'm saying is, if it's intentional, then it would be a greater sin than if it was unintentional. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. To everyone? Yes. Right. So what I'm saying is, if we have an intent to miss the mark of love, we have an intent to do something that's unloving, then, then that shows a greater amount of unloving feelings inside of ourselves than if we have no intent, but it happens mistakenly through an action. That we've taken. Can I point out, however, that God wants us to, and we have the ability to eradicate all desire to sin. And what I meant by that in the first century was we have the ability within ourselves to eradicate, and in fact, when we receive God's love to atonement, at the point of atonement, we will have eradicated all desire to do anything unloving. So by the time we reach at one with God, we can actually be in a condition where we're no longer desiring to do anything unloving in our entire life. We still have free will to do anything we want, but we choose, because of this intent, we choose to never do anything that's unloving, automatically. And that condition is the condition of at one with God just hang a sec, can you wait for me because there's a lady next to you who's had her hand up for some time and I want to ask her I was getting
6: confused um, finding it hard to understand how if you fully knew God then how you why you would have a desire, an intention to do something that that wasn't in love Um, and then I got more confused when you were just saying um, were you saying that you can fully know God but not be in at
0: one minute with him no and to fully know God you would have to be at some point in at one minute with God yes and if you were at one with God then you would never have an intention to sin ever and in fact when you're at one with God you never even mistakenly sin right? Now mistaken sin or sin that an action that is taken by a mistake that is unloving, always comes from underlying emotions that we are needing to heal right? but the difference between these two sets of emotions are these are very much more severe. If I have a desire to hurt you that is very very different than me accidentally hurting you. Does that make sense? So if I have a desire to go up to Joy and punch her in the arm and I choose to follow the desire then that's very very different than me accidentally swinging my hand around while I was talking, and then all of a sudden I hit, hit joy. Is it? I just I
6: heard you say that you could know God but still make the choice to
4: do something that
0: hurts No, I'm, say, I, I'm saying that people on earth think they know God, okay. but often make a choice that's unloving. Like how many people who, have a, who feel they have a relationship with God are willing to go to war, for example? Well, that, that tells me that every one of those people who think they have a relationship with God that have gone to war, don't have one with God. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah,
6: I heard you wrong.
5: I yeah. yep. hey did, sorry. Just, you said um, this, when I mentioned limitation, you went, whoa, I want to bring up limitation. Yep. So are we talking about sin being limitation?
0: Uh, every time we act unlovingly, yeah, a, We yeah. are or sinning, we are automatically in a space of limitation. But it is of our own choice. Yeah. Right? Now, what I'm saying is there's two types of sin. We have, we have the, often the intent to sin, or we have just a drawing or a, a desire that see, leads us to sin, or a desire that leads us to do something that's unloving. Now, in either case, if we are sincere and pure in our heart, we would want to know why. So if I was driving along the road and I accidentally went across the other side of the road through some action, it might have been I was looking down trying to play with a stereo or something on the car and, and I'm across the other side, have a head on with the person, then I would need to look at what caused me to in that moment be so distracted that when, when I'm driving a two-ton vehicle that potentially can harm another person, that could cause me to be distracted. Now if I sincerely have a desire to do that, I will actually find the emotion inside of me, the unloving intent inside of me that caused me, and it might have been just selfishness. Like I'm annoyed with that channel, so I choose it to another channel, and then that moment, before I know it, something's happened. So I would have then I would work through that, right? But that's very very different than having a, an intent to hurt somebody, an intent to ram your car into the other person coming in the other direction. Obviously, there's even darker emotions there that would drive such intent. And what I'm saying is that we need to be very careful that we do not say to ourselves, oh, it was just a mistake. When the reality is every mistake we make comes from some kind of unhealed emotion. In the spirit world, in the celestial kingdom, in the kingdom of God that I talked about in the first century, nobody in that world actually makes a mistake because they're at one with God and God doesn't make mistakes. And nobody in that world makes mistakes. They all have their different desires that go in all different directions, but nobody actually makes a mistake that harms another person. So once we become at one with God, we will be the same. We will not make mistakes that harm other people, ever. whether it was, And we certainly would never do it with intent right, once we're at one with God. But we need to be very careful before we're in that condition. We need to be very careful that we don't justify sin. In other words we don't say to ourselves, well I'm not perfect, that's why that happened. See I'd call that a justification of the unloving behaviour and that is not a loving thing to do, to ever justify an unloving act. So we need to be very careful that we do not justify our unloving behaviour but rather we sincerely want to address it. Now if we sincerely want to address it then that is a prayer. Automatically. Prayer, as soon as we sincerely have a feeling directed towards God, it's a prayer. Instantly God responds to such prayers. In fact, the reality is that God often is already responding before we even finish the prayer. That is very, very different than me still wanting to hold on to my addiction and then praying. So in other words, not wanting to address the unintentional or intentional way that I've not been loving. So a person who's truly sincere wants to address all the reasons why they're loving, in, unloving inside of themselves. A person who is truly sincere. A person only who, who is not sincere wants to believe they're being loving when they're not. Wants to believe they're being kind when they're not. Wants to believe they're being compassionate when they're not. And a person in that case Praying or longing for God to assist them in the act would find that such a prayer is not going to reach very much higher than their own unloving intention. Yeah.
1: In the um, prayer for divine truth, um, you say we are not the sinful, depraved creatures that, we have, that others have made us believe. Mm-hmm. Do you mean that we do have sin, but if we go into it with in- inquiry and compassion and sincerity, then that's not yeah, causing the same persecution or making us feel about it in the same way.
0: Yes. yes, so in the prayer I said, we are not the sinful, depraved people. The problem with what uh, religion generally has done with with my words in the first century is that they have taken my attitude towards sin, which is any time that I'm unloving, I've sinned, and then they've turned it into being something that each of us is and we cannot change it. So what they've done is they've turned it into being a permanent state They actually, in fact, many religions have turned it so much permanent that they actually believe we were created sinful. They actually believe that it's impossible for us to not be sinful. And this is a very big error that I feel mankind is in. This belief that we intrinsically are bad and there's nothing we can do about it is one of the worst possible beliefs because it firstly... Says that there's no free will. And secondly, it also suggests that we shouldn't have to take responsibility for our condition. If God created us sinful before we began, then how can we ever become anything other than sinful? Right? The reality is that we are not the sinful, depraved creatures that religions teach us. In other words, in built inside of us, there is the capacity to sin, in the sense that we are given free will and so therefore we have the capacity to use that will unlovingly. Therefore, the capacity, under the definitions that I've given, the capacity to sin. But we are not intrinsically, as an entity, bad. We are not created intrinsically as a sinful, depraved person. It is actions that we take, based on different emotions that we've collected from our environment, that cause us to take those actions, that cause us to become more sinful or more out of harmony with love. But even, even for the person, there are many spirits here with us, and even the person who is the most darkest person who's here present with us tonight is not designed to be sinful and depraved. Does that make sense? And that's what I meant by those words in the prayer. So what I meant by the words in the prayer is stop stop believing that you are intrinsically bad and start understanding that any choice that we have to sin or any choice that we have to miss the mark of love is a choice that we can change. And when we change it, we have the ability to create a totally different person and life as a result of those changes. Does that make sense?
4: Yeah, um, on that subject, do we then automatically absorb the sins of our parents um, in conception? As in, uh, the the emotions where our parents miss the mark, we also then absorb those same emotions, so then we have that emotion within us at conception. If
0: you understand, so if we just go back to the definition of sin, because I want to make sure that everyone gets the definition of sin rather than the, the religious definition of sin... So sin is equal to not being loving. That's all it is. Now, if that's the definition of sin, then every time our parents aren't loving, even if it's before we're born, if our parents aren't loving, there is something inside of them that causes them to not be loving. There is an emotion or a feeling or a belief or something inside of them inside of what I would classify as their soul right, which causes them to be unloving now if I am in the condition where I am born by two parents so I have mum and dad and there's baby me anything, any attitude, belief, feeling, emotion that is in them cannot but enter me. It has to enter me. Just by association. I'm there, I'm present, and of course I'm going to absorb it. God made our soul to, with the ability to absorb everything in, the, in our environment. And so it's going to absorb the emotions of the parents. Now, this is a very, very powerful thing that God's given us to teach us about love. Because when we as parents see our child reflect our own unloving condition we now can go, whoa, that's in me. I need to address this. If a person cannot see their own unloving condition reflected in their child, then when will they ever see it? Can you see it? Like, if, you cannot, if you cannot love your own child and, you, and your child reflects the fact that they're not purely loved, in their actions, then when am I ever going to see that I'm being unloving? Our children are a beautiful, beautiful reflection. And, a, and in fact, it's something that God has created as a, our potential is to have children so that they can reflect to us where we're being out of harmony with love. Now, in that way, every single parent who have child a child automatically pass down If they refuse to eradicate their own sin, in other words, they refuse to address the areas inside of themselves that are unloving, then they are undoubtedly going to pass those particular errors down to their child just by association. You're living in an environment where everything's unloving, you automatically have a tendency to become the same kind of person. And in that way, I said in the first century, the sins of the father gets passed down to the son, to gener- to generations, because it's getting the unloving attitudes and unloving beliefs that are in the parents. If the parents do not address them, will be passed down to the child. I have the thought of your Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's right, and that's the beauty of having children is that they can reflect at us. What's going on for us? And the beauty of the child in that regard is that they are actually showing us where we're not yet harmonious with love. See, God has put into place a lot of systems to assist us. So, so God doesn't just sort of leave us all hanging. See, there's a belief on earth that God does, but the reality is God doesn't leave us all hanging. The fact, in fact, the guardian and the guide are two proofs that God does not leave us hanging. God gives us assistance and direction to become more loving. But God has also provided other things. You've heard of the law of attraction. Many of you heard of that? Yes? Yep. The law of attraction is another loving provision of God to show us when we're being unloving. Because We will attract the events into our lives that expose the unloving condition. We will also attract beautiful events in our life that expose the beautiful condition. We'll attract both kind of events because that's the way our soul was created. But also children are a great way to help us because the provision of children is such that our children reflect our own unloving condition. And so we can look at ourselves and we can examine ourselves whenever our children are out of harmony with love. By the way there are so many other things that were created as well. There's pets that we finish up having animals that we finish up having as close to us. They also reflect our own unloving condition. There are so many things that God has created us to, to give us assistance to show us when we're actually not in harmony with love. Now God's not trying to say you've got to be in harmony with love. Otherwise, I'm going to punish you and all those kind of things. In the first century, I said to people, look, God doesn't withhold the rain from you and God doesn't withhold food from you. God doesn't withhold any of these beautiful things from you and God doesn't even withhold it from the most wicked of persons. However, God is always trying to give us help to become more loving. He's trying to give the wicked person as much help as he's trying to give the person who's less wicked. He wants to help all of us to become more loving. And even God tries to help us become more loving even if we don't want God. So in other words, God's trying to help us become more loving on the planet even if we choose to not have a relationship with God. (laughs) Does that make sense? So, It's a beautiful system that God's created in order to help us. But mankind is very intent... Uh, a lot of the times in going the opposite direction, away from love, away from humility, away from owning their own feelings and emotions. And as a result of that, mankind finishes up creating a lot of suffering, which many of us have personally experienced. Yeah? Yeah.
2: <coughs> I'm not sure, um, I'm talking about the, the guardians and the guides, I'm not sure if you, do you mean that it is uh, an influence that is both, Conscious and unconscious to the person? Yes. Both conscious and unconscious.
0: Yes, okay. well, let, let me describe how they assist. If we, as a person on earth, have uh, the ability of, that we acknowledge within ourselves, we have the ability of, say, mediumship or communication with the spirit world, then our guides, whoever our guide is, will be able to communicate more directly with us um, things that, that they wish to communicate. But they, are, they communicate using a number of methods. The strongest form of communication that we actually have is actually non-verbal, non-language. The strongest method of communication that we have, even on the planet, is always to do with our feelings, our emotions. So, you can tell who's angry, even if they're of a different language, yes? Someone's raving on it, like we were in Greece and, you know, and there were, there were some riots there while we were there. Anybody who's angry like that, you can tell they're very angry. You don't have to know what they're saying. You can just feel the emotion coming from them, and through their actions, they are demonstrating this. So, one of the strongest forms of communications that our spirit friends use are to do with feelings and emotions. That's one of the forms of communication. And of course, the feeling of love is an emotion. And that is one of the greatest feelings they have for us, is the feeling of love. They also, if we can hear them, have the ability to communicate with language, just like we do. So they can communicate with us by language. They can whisper in our ear. And the way they do that is they actually drop thoughts into our brain that come from outside of our own construct, that come from outside of our own reasoning. And most of us have this happening almost moment by moment during the day without us realising it. You know, these are the kind of thoughts that all of a sudden you'd be driving along the car, let's say, and all of a sudden you say, I need to go and see such and such. Right? And where did that thought come from? Well, sometimes it comes from your own desire, but a lot of times it comes from a reminder from your guide that there's something that they feel that you'd benefit from this interaction with so-and-so or such-and-such person that they would feel would help you with become more loving or help you expose some unloving behaviour. And they will often do this where all of a sudden you feel motivated to go in a completely different direction that you were headed in. And that is emotional. Uh, that is emotional, but it's also language in that they can communicate with our mind through the thought process and drop thoughts into our mind and make suggestions. Now, of course, because they are our guardians and our guides, their thoughts and suggestions are always loving in their nature. Right? Now, other spirits can drop thoughts as well, but many of their thoughts will be unloving in their nature.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I thought it in relation to the free will, because I thought that um, a person that chooses to do evil or to, to harm other people, Uh, I'm not sure if this person will have ears to to hear or hearts to receive uh, uh,
0: the influence from the guardians and the guides. You're dead right. And so what often these guides and guardians try to do, if a person's in a darker or more evil condition, they try to influence other people around the person to give them some kind of feedback about their condition and to assist them using those methods. So there might be something, like, for example, the man who's a murderer gets placed in jail and he might be drawn to read a certain book. And in reading that book he realises what he's done and, he, and comes to recognise some things and therefore grows and all changes. And often it's the guide or guardian who's influenced that entire process to draw them into a higher state of love. So, so the guide or guardian has a lot of potential ways of being able to assist a person on earth besides a direct communication with the person themselves. yes yeah. And it's a very powerful form of assistance actually because there are times when other people around us are more in tune with them than we ourselves are. And so then they have the ability through this act of love they have the ability. And as long as the person who they're communicating with is open and, and is exercising their free will to be open to that communication, then the guide is able with the constraint of the law, to place the thought into the mind of the person, yeah. so it just depends on the openness of the person. The, the guide also has, uh, um, so there's a emo- there's emotions, uh, which are sort of you can think of as non-verbal communication to the guide's charge, or language, which are like thoughts being dropped into the mind of the of the charge. But they also have the, the ability to, at times to actually speak words based on our openness, where we actually hear them in our ears. Right? And some people have noticed this in particular when um, you know, their life is under threat and all of a sudden they hear a voice to get out of here and they get out of there and something goes past them and they just missed an accident, for example. And this is the at times based on the emotions that cause us to be open ourselves our guides have the ability to actually say something to us that we actually audibly hear through through our ear. There has also been times historically when guides in particular have appeared to people. Appearances. When they appear they are under certain constraints but uh, they often Mm -hmm. appear to people in order to guide them through very very dark times and uh, I would say pretty much almost everybody here in this room has actually met a spirit without knowing. Um, You've just thought them to be a person who's materialised. They have a body. They've materialised a physical form that looks like uh, the same as our body. And their particular role was to just help you get back on track with something with an emotion or a feeling that you have generally. So so they can actually appear to people oftentimes though it's completely without the person being being aware Um, and therefore influence the person through a dialogue in 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 an appeared state, in a physical state. Mm. So the guides have been given lots of scope uh, to actually assist us um, through these processes and the problem we have on earth is that we often don't believe what's happening or you know, we often have different uh, emotional impediments to accepting the different forms of guidance. And so sometimes you'll be driving along and a thought gets dropped in your mind and you just say, ah, oh, you've heard about that. And you just keep going, you know. And that is now you yours-ing, you yours, using your will, right, against what the guide has just given you. And the guide just goes, no worries, you know, there'd be another opportunity maybe to drop something in the mind a bit later on and so forth, yeah.
6: Um, I was told um, recently that in my healing work I was channelling information. How do I know where that's coming from and which is, you know, the loving information? Mm -hmm. Particularly for other people. I don't want to obviously give people unloving information. Of course.
0: Now, um, almost every person that does healing work, even doctors who are in hospitals, are being heavily guided by spirits who are helping them make these choices and decisions. This is how sometimes doctors, they have literally sometimes hundreds of different possible possibilities for a certain ailment to be one type of thing, and yet they, tend, they have a habit very frequently of discovering exactly the, same, the right thing that, that the problem is. And that is often because they are actually guided. Many people who are doing spiritual healing work are the same. They feel that they are very guided and often being guided. Now, sometimes the spirits around the healer can be not their guides or their guardians or the guides of the person they're attempting to heal but rather darker spirits. And so we need to have the ability to determine the difference. Now, um, a lot of that depends on our addictions and this is where we need to really be conscious of our addictions you see if if i have an addiction so somebody's laying on a table that i'm trying to assist and it's a male and i have addiction to try to get the male's approval right? but i also have an addiction at the same time that big men shouldn't ever cry right? at the same time i'm feeling that a man shouldn't cry i'll be trying to do some healing work the healer the healing motion is grief but i through my emotions of projecting at him at the same time, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. So I'm trying to help him heal, but at the same time resisting the process. Now, spirits can also help me in that addiction. So, so if I'm having the feeling there's a big man here, I don't want to see him cry, or or even if I'm a healer, often it's there's a big man here, I don't want to see him get angry. Then you'll have spirits with you, who are trying to suppress his anger right? and they're not your guides or your guardian, they're somebody else. They're trying to shut the man down they're not trying to help him, they're trying to harm him actually if he has anger in him he needs to actually connect with some of it in, a, in an appropriate manner and on the table is a great time like, for him to connect to some of that and, uh, but, but if, I, if I've got coming out of me I'm scared of his potential for rage and then I've got a heap of spirits with me going, no, no, you don't want to see this man get angry. And I'll, my intention and the spirit's intention with me are no longer loving. And it wouldn't be my guides or his guides who are involved in that process. It would be somebody else. The darker spirit. It's
6: interesting because I have to do a, a prayer at the beginning of anything and say, just um, bypass all my stuff and mm. just make this a loving, you know, thing. I don't know if that works. I mean, I sincerely mean that often because I'm aware that I have my own you know, stuff there, so...
0: Well, you guys will attempt to bypass stuff as much as they're able. However, the key is as much as they're able. You see, um, we, we've got to understand that it's impossible to bypass a person's true condition. And, uh, and, and then we might be able to temporarily do so for a short period of time, but in the long run, a person's true condition will be exposed. So if I am a healer... And I'm trying to heal people, and every day I pray. I um, pray, you know, I realise I've got stuff, and I don't want to influence a person. And then during that day, I don't deal with any of my stuff. And the next day, I pray. I realise I've got stuff. I don't I want to harm the person. And during the day, I don't deal with any of my stuff. And then the next day, it's the same. And the next day, it's the same, and so forth. Then, am I really intending to deal with the stuff that I've got? Aren't I really just intending now to skip over it all every day, hoping that my guys will also skip over it? You see, this is where it gets down to pure intention again. So it's refined to have a pure intention to not harm the person because you know that you have different emotional uh, feelings that are unloving, and it's great to ask God to, to you know, for for the protection and help your guides to protect the person from those unloving experiences. But for you to do that every day for 25 years. Without actually addressing any of those unloving things within yourself, that's not sincere. No,
6: well, I'm not doing my healing work at the moment on purpose. No, I'm just pointing I'm out. Something. You. No, but I'm saying that I'm listening. Since I've been listening yeah, to you, sorry. I've been thinking right. about what is my healing work? You know, what I, you know. And what are you desire what, to What's do? my? Yeah, I yeah. don't mean, at the moment, I'm in a space of not knowing what my next thing is to do. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. that's okay.
0: So the only thing I would I would say is that is that if I am sincere about my errors. I won't pray every day for somebody to skip over my errors. No. If I'm sincere about them, I'll be praying, in fact, today I want to deal with some of these errors. Right? That's what I'd be actually longing for. So and that's one of the things the guys will help you do as the healer, The person who's healing. The guys will help you work through your errors, but they won't help you avoid your errors for good. So that they might help you in one particular healing or a few healings with people to skip over certain things, but in the sense that for the person's benefit but they're not going to want to do that for very long if they are sincere guides which all of them generally are and even if they're guides that are not on the divine love path they're guides that are on the natural love path they won't want to help you do that ad infinitum because they realise that your own feelings are an impediment to the healing and and of course what they're interested in doing is healing the person So so for that reason they won't do that now, it's already 8 o'clock and we've got to finish at 8.30. So um, I'll have to break this discussion into the next discussion because uh, there's more to come in. But what I would like to do is just, um, firstly, do you understand, all of you, how your guardians and your guides communicate with you? Yes. And uh, um, one of the things that uh, came up when we were in Greece was our, our, our guides channeled to Mary um, a list of things that can help you have a stronger connection with your guide practical things that can help you have a stronger <coughs> connection with your guardians and, and, and your guides and uh, perhaps it's a good time to mention some of those things isn't it um, you've still got the book with you I just remembered the first one uh, there's quite a few that I'll list some of them are physical things you can do in terms of your lifestyle and uh, and other things are more emotional things that you will need to do to have a strong connection with your guides. The first physical thing that you can do is drink more than three litres of water per day. That's a challenge for (laughs) some. I I normally drink around five litres of water a day myself, and and I was told by my spirit friends at times that I'm not drinking enough. (laughs) The reason why water is very important is because uh, there are many reasons that I've given that were given in Greece, and if you want to hear that recording, it should be available on on the website soon. Um, The reason why water is essential is that water. Because we are made of mostly water, spirit spirit bodies of the spirits with us are made mostly of water as well. And in fact, all emotion is more easily transmitted through water. And in fact, sound, if you think about it, is more easily transmitted through water as well. These are all physical facts. Now, most of you know of the studies that were done where a person loved the water and the water structure changed? Yes, Can you see if the water wasn't present at all, then how would it have changed? It wouldn't have changed at all. It's the water that allows for change often to occur. So drinking water is very, very important part of your connection with God and, and your connection with your guides, actually. It's also a very important part of your connection with yourself because the majority of yourself is already water. And when you think about it, around 70% of your daily intake should be water. Of, daily water. of your daily intake, including food and everything else, 70% of it should be water. Because 70% of your body is water. So so how are you going to sustain this? Now most of us are in a severely dehydrated state at most times. And that causes our guide and our guardian's mm-hmm. difficulty communicating with Yeah, no. yeah. The question is, are we talking about coffees and teas? Definitely not. And the way your body responds to water that has something in it is very, very different to the way your body responds to water itself. And your body actually treats coffees and teas, particularly if there's things like milk or sugar in those particular beverages, it treats them as a completely different substance in the way, it, it, way that it processes them and the way that it actually processes them in your stomach water when you drink it almost instantly gets processed through your kidneys and your liver and into your bloodstream um, most other substances have a digestive process that they engage which instantly stops the water from filtering. it the water gets through obviously but, uh, but not instantly it's, not, it's through, through a process which is quite demanding on the body if, particularly if it's coffee it's very demanding on the body So drinking water itself is the best thing to do. So that's number one. Now number two would also make sense if you think about it. What do you reckon it might be? If water is important Let's stay on the water subject. Think about the food. Food with a lot of water in it is also going to be important. Does that make sense? So fruit and vegetables both have a lot of water in them, right? And uh, besides being live most of the time and having a lot of other minerals in them, a diet that consists mostly of fruit and vegetables or only of fruit and vegetables is going to... And i would include nuts. So anything vegetable at all in that is going to have a large effect on your ability to hear your guide and guardian. All right? So it's going to be a very, very powerful effect. Fruit and veggies. Is there any questions about that? Fruit and veggies? No?
4: Very? Good. If they're cooked or raw. Sorry? Cooked or raw.
0: Well, obviously if they're raw, they have, uh, they, they've been less modified and therefore have a higher amount of of water in them, but also they have a higher amount generally of minerals that have not been modified through the cooking process. So it's far better if they can be raw than they are to be cooked. Yeah. So um, a, hot, a diet with that. And myself and Mary, we probably about most of the time when we're home, we probably about ninety-five percent uh, raw. In other words, every day we would eat ninety-five percent of our food would be raw, and then. Maybe once a week we might have a cook meal, something like that. Okay? Can you see that? Um, now, almost everybody who connects to spirits finds that once you change your diet and you drink more water, you instantly have a strong connection. And in fact, many people, for the very first time in their life, only get a connection with their guide or guardian, uh, 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 speaking, on speaking terms, I'm speaking once they do those two things and many times they before then they can't even connect with their guys or guardians until they do those two things okay the third thing mary might need to prompt me um Um, um, getting connected
1: with your body oh yes that's that's right
0: connect with your body
1: Rather than extreme, yeah, in and... a gentle
0: way. You see, quite often what we do when we do exercise is we're quite extreme. Like we put our body through a lot of stress sometimes mm-hmm. to do exercise. Now, while that may help your heart and uh, improve the body's general cardiovascular um, functioning, it's uh, it, it often is also done for the purpose of an addiction to to avoid how we really feel sometimes. And, and a lot of times it's done so we get that high, that, that, that uh, what do they call them, the endorphins. endorphins in the brain high that we get from that extreme physical activity. What our guys are suggesting to you is not to do that so much into, if you want to connect with them. Still do that if you want to exercise. But, but have times when you actually connect with your body and how it feels in a gentle manner. So that can be done using all sorts of techniques. Yoga and, and Pilates and those kind of things are fine. But also just laying on your bed, breathing diaphragmatically and feeling your body. Now a lot of us don't want to do that because as soon as we feel our body we start feeling its aches and pains. And we want to get away from those aches and pains. But our aches and pains tell us what's unloving. You see, once we're in a condition of pure love, we will not have any aches and pains at all. That's another reality. And yet many of us are so used to aches and pains we don't even believe that that's a possibility. And connecting with your body can help you understand what problems you have in your body and then what feelings are associated with those particular problems. The other thing that happens is when you connect with your body your guides are able to help you in this process of discovering what's wrong with it, of actually healing it, the process of healing, what's going on with your body. If you don't connect with your body, it's very, very hard for them to inform you what's going on. What's um,
1: your
0: Yeah, I think I'd like to go to the next one, which was the... Passion. Uh, yeah, pa- desire and passion. If you're home, sitting on your backside, watching telly, it's very, very hard for somebody to guide you. (laughs) (laughs) The reason why is because you're getting a bombardment of things already, of information already from another source, and then on top of that, you're not active, you're not actually going ahead to do something. If you can connect with your passions and desires, the things you'd like to try to do in your life, the things you want to do in your life, and connect to them with passion, you know, with, with a strong desire, while you're in your passion, your guides can give you thoughts here and there to bring you to certain things. Now, many of you have noticed already through your own lives that that when you desire to do something really intensely, that all of a sudden... It seems like people who want to help you with your desires come into your life, and have you noticed that? Like different things happen that pull different people into your life, and you go, "Wow, how come I never met you before?" Well, because you didn't engage your desire before to do that particular thing, and once you did, your guides and their guides could tee up a meeting. Once, once you actually engaged the passion, you see, so this is very important part of connecting with your guides is to actually feel your true desires now this is where you have to also be quite careful because if you're used to abdicating your will to other people what you're going to do is feel the desires of others rather than your own and unfortunately from a very young age on the planet today we are taught to do what other people want us to do rather than what we want so we're almost Immediately involved in this process of doing what the other people want or doing what society wants rather than doing what we want. And so that brings me to the fifth point, which I'll place the top one with, and that is to feel yourself rather. ...than focusing on others' feelings. You see, while you're always focused on other people's feelings... ...and you're always trying to get things from other people... ...like what they feel and what they think about you and all those other things... ...it's very, very, very hard for you to have your own feelings... And your guides and guardian communicate with you, one of the primary ways they communicate with you is through your own feelings. So if you're so in tune with everyone else's feelings and not in tune with any of your own feelings at the same time, it's very, very hard for them to communicate with you. Very hard for them to give you, you know, guidance and help. Yeah? I don't know if
2: you have a six or a seven. There are a few more, but yeah. Okay. Uh, I would. I wanted uh, to know your uh, attitude, uh, understanding about <coughs> using uh, a media. Using
0: uh, another person, a, media. a medium. A yeah. medium. Yes. Yep. And um, my attitude to it is it depends very, very much on the medium. <laughs> you see, if the medium, um, I've been to mediums myself. And it's quite interesting at times to see what's actually going on and then what they describe is often very different. And the reason why what they describe is often very different is because they're not in a condition to see everything that's going on. But they assume they are. So a lot of times they don't have enough humility themselves to accept that there's actually other things going on than what they believe. For example, I went to one medium and she is a heavy drinker, this lady that I went to. And it was very, very interesting, the mediumship that she did with me. Because my guides, I had to keep reminding her, look, I don't want to connect with the spirits that are with you. Because I could see they were all drinkers. Right? <laughs> and I didn't want to listen to drinkers uh, through this uh, interaction with the medium. And I said, look, I don't want to connect. And she would be going, but, but this is what I always do. And I say, well, can we try something different? And she was open enough to do that. Many of them aren't. I've asked others and I've just said flatly no. And I said, fair enough. And I get up <laughs> and go. And so so she said, yes, I'll try something different. And I said, right, can you just... Ex-, instead of connecting with the spirits that are around you, who she called her guides, which weren't her guides, they were actually all these drinking buddies that were drinking with her. <laughs> she was quite a clear medium. Like, she, she could accurately say what they were saying. And But, but she was actually speaking the words of what she believed were gods but were, were just these fellows who, they were all men around her and they were all just having fun with her. And she didn't realise, you see. So I said, instead of doing that, can we just talk to my guys? So my guys attempted to talk with her and she kept, like, getting interfered with by the other spirits. So, so I just stopped her again and I said, look, at the moment what's happening is that you've got these spirits here <laughs> speaking through you, and then my guides are trying to speak through, but these spirits over here are still being a nuisance, right? <laughs> they're, they're trying to muddy the waters and, can, and so I said, can you just, we just pray together and just, we ask these spirits to stay away for a little while so that we can talk to these guys, so we did that and she starts communicating with her my guides but my guides started saying things that she couldn't believe right? And so she stops and she goes, oh, I can't accept that. <laughs> right? So my guides told her who I was—that I was Jesus. She said, oh, I can't accept that. And and then she she said oh, she she said oh, I can accept that he has the Jesus energy. Right? So 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 she could accept that. But but now her the medium her own beliefs were now interfering with the channeling. And this is the problem that we face when we go to a medium: is that we have the combination of the spirits around the medium. And the medium's own emotional condition or belief system that interfere with the accuracy of the mediumship. Now, um, so so while it can be very helpful to go to the medium, it can also be quite distorting sometimes to go to a medium. It just depends on the condition of the medium. And sometimes we can misread if we don't see the interactions that are going on in the spirit world. We often um, therefore trust the medium that she can see something but we can't and when we do that and she is not or he is not communicating accurately with the spirits then we'll have a tendency to trust what's being said when it might be quite misleading. So so my feelings are go but go with an open heart and open mind and allow yourself to be aware that there are all of these factors that influence uh, the medium's discussion with you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, let's uh, look at another one, six, which is this aspect of imagination. Allow your imagination. And um, one way that, that most people on earth don't understand, but children understand very easily, is that guides connect. To us, through our, our our imagination, what our imagination does is it allows us to see potentials that are beyond what we view as reality. Do, do you understand that? So, so what happens is that because we're brought up in society that's very physical in nature and so forth, we have a very very limited concept of reality. what, what is real and what is not real? We have a it's very tightly defined by society what imagination allows us to do is to temporarily ba- break the bondage of these physical limitations. And, and that allows us to actually conceive of things that are beyond the potential that we currently have. And that is how people like the Wright brothers, for example, discovered flight, uh, in, in motorised flight. It was by having inspiration beyond what was the current conceived notion of what was reality and and this is something that all of us have the potential to do if we allow our imagination when we allow our imagination we receive what's called inspiration from our spirit friends, our guides and guardian in particular but also from other spirits we have the potential of receiving inspiration and inspiration causes us to think of things that we are completely and sometimes the whole world is completely unaware of at the time. And this is how new discoveries often get made. By actually people using their imagination and then that allows spirits to connect to them and actually give them information about things that have not been previously thought of or discovered. So imagination is a very important thing to use. Now it doesn't mean that everything you're imagining is true. But it allows you to open the potential and open your conception potential, what you are conceiving as reality, is extended. And if you think about it, the only way as humanity that we can actually grow to a new condition is for all of us to have our thinking and our feelings extended, to to see things differently than what we currently see them. If we continue to see them as we currently see them, we obviously are going to continue to have the same kind of life. And that's not going to be very good, if you think about it, because most of the time it's not a very happy life for most people. So we need to grow by having our imagination. Well, sometimes
6: when I sit and go into
1: imagination,
6: the thing I have confusing is about my guides and knowing who they are and stuff, and the spirits that come in that are not so good. Yep. And putting images into my mind of imagination trying to discern which
0: um... it is quite simple to discern generally because all we've got to ask is three primary questions is it loving does it feel or sound truthful and is the spirit seemingly in a humble state or not
6: Uh
0: now if a person has humility and this applies to the spirits as much as yourselves, if a person has humility they will let you question them Mm -hmm. they will let you ask further questions if you're needing clarification a spirit who doesn't have humility will not do that so I went to another um, there was another medium visited who who, um, would maybe I'll relate one that my friend John visited he went to this medium she said I've got the angel Archangel Gabriel and the Archangel Michael here with me they've got messages to tell you and he says well I'd like to and John unbeknown to her can see spirits and also feel them so so he goes well I would like to confirm their identity thank you I would like to ask them some questions about their identity. The instant he said that, the spirits got into a rage and she got angry. And she said, how dare you ask them questions such as that? How dare you question me and my integrity? So instantly angry. Now, the spirit, who's humble, won't do that. And then she said, if you're going to continue to do this, I want you out of my office. And then, as he got up to walk out, because he decided to he walk out straight away, she got a smudge stick, <laughs> and those of you know what the general purpose in New Age philosophy is of a smudge stick is to clear out bad entities. <laughs> she got a smudge stick and smudge stick lit it and smudge sticked around him to get rid of John. Right? In other words, she believed that he was the bad influence. The reality is the spirits were not in a state of humility, and they were. A, they were unwilling to disclose truth. They can't be the spirit she's claiming. Does that make sense? Yeah. So
6: I've got a lot of interference and spirits that...
0: Yep. So the key is yeah. to question them and to see. If you question them and they don't like questioning, mm-hmm. then, then you know... A person who is your guide and garden wants to establish a connection with you that is honest, truthful and loving. Always. Yeah,
6: I've had problems trusting who's around me. Yeah, and that's yeah. fine.
0: And and sometimes because of our, you know, understandably we do have problems trusting because sometimes um, there are around us quite dark entities and we need to know the difference mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. them. And so what I would like to do in my next conversation, my next talk with you, which will be on the 26th of, uh, of this month, um, is I'd like to discuss with you the other types of entities that connect with us and and in particular the ones that influence us negatively without our being aware of such influence and how we can become more aware of their influence. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. yep. And I feel that would be a very important part of your own development because I can feel in many of you here there is very strong ability to connect with spirits. And therefore, a strong ability to have conversation with them, to actually have thoughts dropped into your mind from them and so forth. But you do need to have the sensitivity to tell the difference between a spirit who is a darker type of entity or one of these two people who are trying to assist you in your progression. My feeling personally is that once you know the truth about anything, it allows you the freedom... To actually discover many more things, when we stay very fixed on a, on a specific idea or principle in our own mind—in other words, fixed that the spirit who's with me, communicated with me, is my guide—and yet at times he demonstrates a lack of love and a lack of truth and a lack of humility with me, and I can prove it. Then, and, I, and, and yet I still stay addicted to the fact that he's my guide then I'm not allowing the concept that maybe this person isn't my guide and is actually influencing me negatively and my real guide is behind the scenes there waiting to connect to me, to inform me of such a thing and yet can't connect with me because I'm listening to the other spirits instead. I also want to raise with you, the next time I talk with you, the possibility of this. And that is, our belief systems severely control Who we connect to in the spirit world. In other words, if I have very, very fixed belief systems about certain things. Now those things can be belief systems about myself. In other words, I think I'm a good person but half the time I'm not. That kind of belief system. Or belief systems that include our spiritual thought. In other words, addicted to a certain type of religion or certain types of practice or whatever or any other belief systems to do with science and all of these other things that we can believe in, if they are not harmonious with love, truth and humility, these belief systems, you'll find they will always have a fair degree of involvement of negative influence from the spirit world. And so what we need to be able to do is determine, through some basic processes, if you like, or some basic uh, uh, feelings, what or who we are actually being influenced by my feelings are firstly i'd like to connect to god but these two people can help me greatly in that process of connecting to god and also connecting to myself any other spirits who are around me will fall into some different categories and those categories will firstly be there might be some benevolent Spirits that are not my guide or my guardian. In other words, there are spirits who benefit us through their interactions with us. They are still kind and loving, they are still truthful and they still have humility, but they're not our guide or guardian. Now, obviously, those kind of spirits, be nice to know who they are and be nice to have conversations with them. Then there are a type of spirits who I would classify as neutral. or investigative in other words there are spirits who are neutral towards you and are just looking at your life because they want to find out something and sometimes spirits in the spirit world come to investigate all sorts of things and uh, the way they do that is by observing people on earth and, and they observe their life and observe the different interactions and so forth in an investigative type of role Now, they themselves, in a way, are questioning, aren't they? They they are looking for answers. Otherwise, they wouldn't be investigative. So you you can actually engage them and help them in their investigations. Uh, And then the fifth group of spirits are what I would call malevolent. Is that how you spell it? In other words, they are purposefully there in an attempt to harm you. And there are many spirits in the spirit world who have that particular attempt. And then there are a sixth group of spirits which I would call arrogant. These spirits think they're helping you while they're harming you. They're a bit like many of your mothers. (laughs) who think they're helping you while they're attacking you. You understand? <laughs> you know, they come in and they look at your room, untidy room and they go, you're always untidy. And what does that make you feel? It makes you feel, oh. again, I've disappointed my mother, which was her goal, to, to control you, right? And these spirits are very similar to that. So while they aren't outwardly trying to damage your life, they can still impact upon your life and damage your life. Yeah? So what I would like to do with you next time we get together, if if you wish, is to discuss with you those group of people and what we can do to actually overcome their influences and connect more strongly to God. Because every time we connect to these these people, there are always reasons why we're connecting with them. And those reasons have all to do with what we introduced the topic with last fortnight ago, which is all to do with our lack of humility, a lack of truth, or a lack of love inside of ourselves. So if we can see the relationships of that, that would be wonderful. So that's what I'd like to discuss with you next time. Next time you're here, if you want to come. Which is on the 26th, and I think it's at 1pm. Uh, it? yeah. yeah. no, and it's next door, the next door room, not this one. Uh, and it's a bit warmer in the next <laughs> 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 a bit warmer there, so it should be right. And it's during the day too, so it should be right. Yeah. And it's another few weeks' time, so who knows, England might have warmed up a bit since so then. Myself and Mary uh, are actually, uh, not tomorrow, but the next day off to the US uh, for, a couple, for a week, where we've got two groups uh, to speak with um, in the US, and then we'll be coming back uh, the following Thursday, so we'll see you on the following Sunday Sunday after that. Thanks for your time today and I hope you've enjoyed the discussion today and uh, I look forward to seeing you if you decide to come next time we're here which is on the 26th day. Thanks for your time.